0: Hello everyone, I'm T.D. Worthington, pastor of the Pathway Baptist Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, and this is Pathlight. We're so glad to have you tuned in to today's program. Thank you so much for being a part of the uh, of the Pathlight uh, family. Let me mention to you very quickly, Christian Bible College getting underway again our fall semester here, so uh, of course you can start any time of the year you'd like to because it is a correspondence school. But if you're interested, perhaps, in continuing your biblical education or beginning your biblical education, maybe you are a pastor or an evangelist, or maybe you're a Christian school teacher or a dedicated layperson in the church, and you said, I'd like to just learn a little bit more about God's Word, and it could even lead to your bachelor's or master's or even your doctorate degree in theology or Christian Education, or several other majors that we offer, I invite you to check it out, christianbiblecollege.org. christianbiblecollege.org. Che- check out the website. You'll find a full description there of the courses that are offered, information, and then, of course, if you'd like to call, we could give you even more information if you'd like to do that. So keep that in mind, if you will, christianbiblecollege.org. Now, today's message on Path Light is the fresh start, fresh start, when life requires you to start over again. And I realize for some of us uh, today, we have started over and over and over and over. Maybe it was building a business, maybe it was a marriage, maybe whatever it might be, uh, it, it, something, something crumbled, something stopped, and you had to start over. And then it stopped again, and you had to start over. Some of us have gone through that many times in life, and we're going to be talking about the fresh start today on our program. Hope you'll stay tuned for it. Right now, just before today's message, music with a little bit of a country flavor coming your way. This is called A Love Down Deep in My Heart.
1: You may wonder why I do what I do. Day and night. Well, I can't explain it, it's simple but true. And it started not too long ago. When God made a change, He made a difference. He placed us that deep. That's why i serve you more well, there's still time before the day comes to depart. And what keeps me going and so determined is this love down deep in my heart. A love down deep in my heart makes me want to shout and sing.
0: Today we're speaking about the fresh start, when life starts over again, and perhaps for some of us it is again and again and again. Many times in life we're forced to say, well, I guess I'll just have to start over. I guess I'll just have to start over. Some of us have done that following a natural disaster, maybe a hurricane or a flood or a tornado, and you've looked at your uh, possessions. You've looked at your home and all of a sudden everything is in shambles and you say to yourself, I guess I'll just have to start over. For others, it was a career and maybe you'd worked for the same company for a number of years or maybe you owned your own business and operated it for a number of years and then suddenly you begin to realize this isn't working anymore. Maybe you were laid off or maybe your business just did not prosper in a new economy so you said, I guess I'll just have to start over. For others, it perhaps was a marriage that tragically came to an end. And again, you were forced to say, I guess I'll just start over. If you're a child of the Lord, if you're a child of God, our Lord is most certainly going to finish the work he started in you. Philippians 1.6 says that, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it, will see it through to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, but that does not mean we get to finish everything he's given us to do in this life. No, no, it does not. Sometimes you will not finish what God gives you to do. It may be because you're lazy. Maybe because you're inefficient. Maybe because you squander your time. Maybe because you spend your time on other stuff. It may be because of other hindrances, but sometimes in life, you will not get to finish everything that you feel God's given you to do. Or, as a matter of fact, that any work we do end up completing will be finished when we expect it or as we expect it. Sometimes, sometimes when God tells us, this is enough, you finish, this is it. You say, well, this, this isn't the way I wanted it to end. This isn't the way I wanted it to finish. I, I had more to do or whatever the case might be. I wanted it uh, differently. And God says, no, you're, you're through. It's time to move on to, uh, to something else. Now, in my ministry, I've looked back uh, sometimes and grown over how little progress it seems I've actually made. It looks like I should have done more. And now as I get older in life and I realize that I don't have as many years left as I used to have, at least statistically speaking, that, that, man, I should have accomplished a whole lot more. I've really not made half the progress I should have made. Sometimes we may wonder why God has even held us here in the first place for, for so long at this particular juncture in life. We know the truth of if God be for us, who can stand against us? And, of course, the answer is no one. But that truth, well, that truth sometimes slowly fades into the background, and it comes out something like this. If, if God's really for us, why then does everything seem to stand against us? Yeah, I know what it's like to work and wait and then work some more and wait some more and then work some more and wait some more, and then have to keep waiting and waiting and waiting. I can, I, can, I can understand that because I've been through it. We can all relate to the faithful remnant of Israel who were brought back from exile. We're in the book of Ezra, by the way, today. After all the wars they had been through, and then decades more of subjection uh, as slaves, God had finally and miraculously led them home to Jerusalem. But just as soon as they had started rebuilding the temple, They were horribly derailed again. For the next 15 years, they were left with very little to show for their suffering. Waiting and praying, their story, just like ours, hangs on what God had promised upon what God had said. And God had promised to punish Babylon, Jeremiah 25, 12, and 13. He'd promised to ultimately deliver Israel, Jeremiah 29, 10. But then in his perfect timing, God stirred the heart of a heathen Persian king. And I want to read to you, if I might, in Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Verse 3 now, Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord. Build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. Again, Ezra chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If we haven't been ripped from our homes and held in a foreign land for decades, we probably can't feel the weight and wonder of these words. God reached into the heart of a pagan king, turned the key as only God could do, and freed his people again. And if you're familiar with Jewish history, you realize that again, is literal, that often they went through cycles of slavery and subjection and freedom, slavery and subjection and then freedom. After half a century, they were finally coming home. Children that were only five, when Babylon seized their families, now had grandkids of their own. With tears in their eyes, they prepared to show their grandsons and granddaughters for the very first time. The land Almighty God had given to them as promised to their forefathers. When they returned, they started over. It's a new start. They rebuilt the altar. They made their sacrifices. and the second year, they started rebuilding the temple, the centerpiece of their life, the centerpiece of their, of their worship, designed inch by inch by the infinite mind of God, and they're excited they're finally getting to rebuild this temple after all those years. After they laid the foundation, they stopped and sounded the trumpets and sang a song. It says in Ezra chapter 3, verse number 11, totally excited about what God is allowing them to do. But while they were building, evil men were plotting against them, which is always the case. If you're building something for God, they're evil people going to try to stop you. They threatened the builders, Ezra 4-4. They even bribed counselors to lie and to demoralize them in Ezra 4.5. When nothing else seemed to work, they wrote to the new king of Persia ma- ma- maliciously accusing them of sedition. So these people there are trying to usurp your authority. That's in Ezra 4.15. Well, the new king, who was a bit unsure of his own authority, succumbed to their treachery. Having read the history, he gave in to their demands and declared, this is in Ezra 4.21, says, give ye now commandment to cause these men to cease that the city be not builded. Can you imagine that for a moment? Just as soon as they finally got around, got chance for the first time in, in, in decades to build a temple for the first time, just as soon as they had laid the foundation, God allowed another interruption, which totally stopped the work. Their work for now has to end. Their dreams lay shattered on the ground along with their tools, which they were forbidden to pick up again. And the work didn't just stop for a few days or a few weeks or even months. They didn't know it then, but they'd wait there, oppressed and unfinished, not able to lay one additional brick for 15 more years. After five decades of suffering and waiting in Babylon, God now has ordained 15. more years of waiting. Can you imagine that? For many of these must have been the longest years of their lives because they were finally home again. The thrill of going home, the thrill of beginning had only intensified the pain of waiting. How many who had sung that song when the foundation was laid would end up, well, passed away before the temple would be finished? They sang when they laid the foundation sure they would see it finished but now another halt another stop they may not live to see it particularly the elderly those 15 years fit into just 3 short verses in Ezra 424 through chapter 5 and verse number 2, and yet they paint a picture so many of us, you and I know so painfully well because over and over again in God's wisdom and God's love and God's providence, God writes stories in our lives that require an awful lot of waiting and an awful lot of starting over. I often think if I could have just started something and seen it through, how much more efficient it would have been. But yet in my life, as I'm sure in yours, as many times I've come to a complete stop and had to start everything all over again. We only are left to wonder and pray after that exhilarating rush of his favor and being able to do something now we're left here for months or years or longer and hoping that one day we can get that fresh start and go ahead and do what we believe God would have us to do. Maybe God wonderfully joins us to a spouse, and after years of waiting and wondering and sometimes despairing, the hallelujah chorus of the honeymoon days crashes into something, well, a little more off-key, and no longer are we singing the hallelujah chorus in the first years, we realized just how much work marriage requires, and marriage requires a lot of work, and a lot of people believe that marriage exposes a lot of sin in your spouse that, well, I didn't know that about him, and I didn't know that about her. It uh, Being married to them has exposed a lot of their sin, and it will, but let me tell you this, marriage exposes more of your own sin than it does theirs. Oh, certainly it's going to show that Mr. Perfect or Miss Perfect was not indeed perfect, that they have fallacies just like anyone else. But you will find that marriage exposes more of your own sin than it does the sin of your spouse. Progress is real and beautiful, but it's usually slow and painful, and it starts and stops and starts and stops. That's the nature of life. Maybe God suddenly opens the door to witness to a lost loved one We pride, cry and pray for years wondering if the dry soil will ever soften and then almost out of nowhere they ask about God. Maybe it's because some crisis has emerged in their life, or there's, uh, for whatever reason, a spark of interest. The Holy Spirit is doing His work in the background, and the kind of spark that just, man, sends a, sends a, a, a great light to your life for weeks to come because you're excited. They've asked about the Lord, and I've got chance to witness to them. I know that's happened in my life. Many times when a loved one, a friend, uh, I've tried to witness to and tried to talk to, and man, they turn me off every time. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they ask me about God boy what an exciting moment you're able to share with them about Jesus Christ and God's wonderful grace but then suddenly for whatever reason unknown to you the door suddenly closes again and suddenly they have no more interest the lights go out for God knows only how long maybe God gives us a significant victory over some besetting sin in our life There's a sin in your life and you wanted to win the war for so long, suffering setback after setback, heartache after heartache. We kept falling and failing despite all that sin cost us and we knew it was costing us a whole lot. We tried to get victory. Seemingly, victory eluded us. But then suddenly God broke through and the temptation waned, at least for a while. Days passed by. Weeks passed by. Man, I finally gotten victory over this sin. Maybe months passed by. But then suddenly... Almost without warning, we're hurled back into the front lines, refighting a war we thought we'd won. So, as a good Christian, we plan now to start over again. A new start, a fresh start. We'll start over again. We'll give it one more try. Well, maybe, just maybe, the marriage never gets easier. Maybe the loved one never receives Christ as Savior. Or perhaps the sin, that besetting sin, doesn't fully surrender this side of heaven. But if you are a child of God, our waiting is never meaningless or fruitless. The false starts and the numerous starting overs are never wasted but filled with purpose and lasting good. And they could be moments in your life of great learning and great fellowship with the Lord. I want you to go back and consider Israel again for a moment. Those 15 additional years didn't last forever. Finally, God sent his word through Haggai and Zacharias, and the wait was over. This is in Ezra 5, verses 1 and 2. And once again, they're able to begin building again. They're starting over again one more time. But again, as soon as they started to work on the temple, their enemies began to plot against them and and pled for the king to stop them. They're at it again. God again moves in a miraculous way. The new king, his name was Darius, Not only overturns the suspension and says, leave these people alone. They want to build, let them build. But then orders their enemies to provide whatever the Jews might need to build the temple. Ezra chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. He says, not only am I not going to stop them, I want you to help them. Provide for them what they need. Do not get in their way. While they waited and wondered, not only did God give them victory, but he made them more than conquerors because now they would rebuild the wall and building the wall would be easy because they'd have more of the resources they needed to build it. God not only turned the heart of one pagan king, but two. The temple, against all their worst fears, was now being built again and it would be finally finished. And when it was finished, there was a great celebration, but, but, even the finally finished temple was still a bit of a disappointment for the children of Israel, at at least for some. You see, some of those that had seen the first temple and how wonderful it was and how glorious it was knew how far short this one fell. Ezra chapter 3 verse number 12 tells us that. They looked at this new temple and they said, this is great, this is wonderful, I'm so glad we have this temple now, but it's honestly not as nice as the last one. It's not as grandiose, if you will, as satisfying and spectacular as this new temple was. It was not really what they had hoped for. You see, the last temple was better, and they were hoping this one would at least be as good. As a matter of fact, I'm sure they were hoping it would be better. We want to build something even better for the Lord. But it was not to be. Even this new temple that they were finally able to finish after all these years of waiting was not exactly what they had hoped for. But here's the message today, okay? All of that was pretty much of an introduction, a historical introduction. Here's the message. They had to wait another 500 years, and they waited. And these were long years and hard years and cold years, and many of them were even silent years from God. But then after five centuries and many generations, the temple that they had finally wanted The temple they had finally waited for, the temple, that perfect temple, that most glorious temple of all that they wanted, finally came. It was not built with bricks and mortar. It did not depend on the decree of a human king. This temple was born in a town called Bethlehem, and the second temple they built was only a shadow of the first, that is true, and they were a bit disappointed but both temples paled in comparison to the Son of God Himself, who took on flesh and blood and became our once and for all sacrifice. I speak of Jesus. When Jesus met the Samaritan woman, if you remember, He offered to once and for all satisfy her thirsty soul. If anyone had been waiting for something the last, it was her, the ex-wife to five men and now shacking up with a, the sixth man, she was an example of failed relationships. And when he exposes her secret life, she asks a question about the temple in John chapter 4. She's asking about the temple, and he responds in chapter 4. Jesus saith unto her woman, Believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. He's saying the time is coming when you won't go, won't have to go in a man-made temple to worship the Father. He says in verse 23 of John 4, he says, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. What that woman says in in just five words gives voice to centuries of painful waiting. She says, I know that Messiah cometh, John 4, 25. And Jesus responds with seven words, which are, are one of the clearest, clearest statements he makes about who he is. In John four twenty six, Jesus says, "I that speak unto thee, am he." He replies to her that, "Look, the day is coming, and now is, when you will not have to go into a temple to worship. You will not have to go into Jerusalem." To worship. You will not have to stand on this holy mountain to worship because all men can worship the Father in spirit and truth wherever they are, and that's what the Father has wanted all along. Adam didn't have to go into a temple back before the fall of man. There didn't have to be a human sacrifice or an animal sacrifice, I'm sorry, an animal sacrifice before the fall of man. And that's what the Father wanted from the beginning. And Jesus says, this day has now come. He says, I that speak unto thee am he. I am the Son of God. Everything Israel had wanted in and from the temple over hundreds and hundreds of years was now utterly eclipsed by all God was for them and all God could do through them through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, this is what I want to leave you with today. Jesus Christ was the perfect ending to all the false starts and the starting overs of Israel. Many times in life, you will have to start over. You'll have to have a fresh start. Many times in life, something will come to an end and you'll say, I just got to start over. I just got to start over. I don't have any choice. I got to start over. This chapter of my life has ended. Perhaps it didn't end the way I'd hoped it would end, but it has now ended. What are you going to do? You're going to start over. I've often told people, don't live without hope. When one hope dies, you get you another hope. Don't live without hope. As our chapters end here on earth, Jesus Christ will be far more than anything we could imagine. He will far more than make up for any disappointments or trials we endure When we live with Him forever, He is and worth, He will be worth all of our waiting and is all of our waiting. So in life, when you have to start over, remember God is there to give you that fresh start through Christ. I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast of the uh, of the Pathlight program. And now, if you were listening to this by way of radio, and you said, "You know, I have a friend that might uh, might could uh, get something out of this message, might could be blessed by this message," but I guess it's too late now because the program's over. Let me remind you of the Pathlight podcast, where you can listen to this program. There's also archives there, past programs and just take a look look at it. It'll probably be the first one listed on your screen on the Pathlight podcast. You can also check the Facebook sites of uh, Go Mix Christian Radio, Christian Bible College, and Pathway Christian Academy. It should be there also. Until next time, T.D. Worthington say, May God's richest blessings be upon you and yours as you walk with our Lord during this coming week.